watching. Good to have you with us this morning. So, um, you know, a lot of times you invite people to come and visit at the Promised Church, and for the first time they see people raising hands or people falling down, people having hands laid on them, um, and they go, when is this over so I can get out? <laughs> don't ever invite me again. <laughs> and you don't really have time to explain what they just felt or saw, and they are shocked because they either are non-Christians or from churches where there's no manifestation of God's power. So the flesh and the mind takes over and says, you guys are crazy, with a capital K. I'm out of here. And they, they shut off. Even before praise and worship is, is done, they shut off. So I thought I'd do a, a little series on helping you to understand what you see and feel at the promise. And uh, once you have gained this information, you can share with your friends. So when you do invite friends and relatives, you could say, listen, I need to prepare you for what you're going to see. And for those who are new to us today, um, this would be a good sermon. So I can explain, you know, the laying on of hands, people falling down, gifts of the spirits operating, uh, and the enthusiastic praise and worship. I was talking to Hain and Anya, um, that's our son and, and daughter-in-law, and so I said, have you got a good church now? I said, well, we, we've found a good church. I said, so they praise and worship there, and they, they come to the front and raise their hands. They said, Dad, there's not a church we have been to where people come to the front. Wow. I said, this is Texas. I said, nobody comes to the front. He says, no, and very few people raise their hands. I said, why don't you find a, a you know, Pentecostal charismatic church? Like I said, these are them. <laughs> so I just want you to know that what you're experiencing at the promise is pretty unique. It doesn't happen in most churches that you'd go to. And so you can understand why it is a shock to people when they come in and they think, why are they going forward? Why are, they, why are they kneeling? Why are they raising their hand? Why are they falling down? Okay, so I want to talk to you about His manifest presence. Say His manifest presence. Yes. Now, I'm going to give you some insight that for many, many, many years, I didn't fully understand. I want to explain to you that we have the omnipresence of God, we have the inner presence of God, and we have the manifest presence of God. So what do we understand by the omnipresence of God? Well, God is everywhere. And everybody knows that. God is everywhere. The scripture is Psalm 137, uh, 39, verse 7. And there's many scriptures we could use. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I flee from? You can't. Okay? Because he's everywhere. Omnipresence means everywhere. Then there is the inner presence of God. This is when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Jesus said this in John 14, 17. He said to his disciples, He is the Holy Spirit 
who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. That would be the people that don't know him, don't know God, the unsaved people. They can't receive him because they or it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. And later, that's after I've gone, he will be where? In you. So Holy Spirit, Old Testament, came and was with people. Even during Jesus' ministry, he was with people. But Jesus said he's going to be in you. In you. And we will look at more scriptures as we go. I just want to give you a little taste so that you can get a broad, broad strokes in the beginning. Okay, he's going to be in you. Then we have the manifest presence. The manifest presence is when he makes his presence known among us. He makes his presence known among us. You see, at the promise, we're praying, we're seeking, we're contending. If you're at this morning's prayer meeting or you come to P3 or any pre-service prayer meeting, Pastor Lindsay does a phenomenal job of praying, seeking, and contending for the spirit, the supernatural, the visitations, and the manifestations of God to be in our service so that it would produce miracles, whatever is needed by any single person. Do you agree with me? Can we have a good amen? Amen. amen. So that is, that is our focus. We want to see that signs and wonders in God touching people's life. But, you know, that has always been God's plan, His will, and His purpose, even from the very, very beginning. In the book of Genesis, we see God coming to visit His creation in the cool of the day. If you've read even chapter 1 of Genesis, you know that. All right? Came and spoke with Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Anyway, moving right along, how to ruin a sermon in five minutes. I give you a lesson on that. Seven easy steps to ruin a service. What, what did we lose when Adam and Eve sinned? And what did Jesus come to restore? His manifest presence. Okay? Let's have a look at the scripture. In Genesis 3 and verse 8. And they heard, and this is after Adam and Eve has sinned. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. You see, the first thing that sin does, it always causes us to try and hide from God. Always. And it happens in worship services. Not only out in the garden, Satan makes you feel like a hypocrite because you come to church and you know you didn't do well this week or things went wrong, you sinned or whatever it is. And so you want to try and enter in and he reminds you of how you feel, what you did wrong. So you feel like you're a hypocrite if you raise your hands or you try and sing a song to God. You go, oh, I, I can't do that. But you just see... That's the time when you need to appropriate the blood of Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness. 
Don't remain with that sin consciousness. God, forgive me. I blew it. And you probably did back in the week or whatever it was. You probably asked for forgiveness then. But the devil has got a great memory when it comes to our sin. And he likes to bring it up, especially when God is trying to talk to us. He brings up our sin. So Adam and Eve, the scripture could not be talking about God's omnipresence, could it? Because he's everywhere. You can't go hide from God's omnipresence. So they were hiding from God's manifest presence. So God's manifest presence used to come into the garden in the cool of the day. In fact, his manifest presence makes a noise. They heard him walking in the garden. And sometimes in our services, it's noisy. And during the prayer time, when, when we're up here and we're praying for people, it can get noisy. And people go, that's, I mean, we ought to be quiet and reverent in church. No, no, only in a graveyard. <laughs> so what are they, they're hiding from his presence that was made known. Look, look what Moses said in um, Exodus 33 and verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up here. Well, this can't be talking about his omnipresence, could it? It must be talking about his manifested presence. Moses said, I want your presence to stay with us. And if your presence is not here, we're not going anywhere. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could take that approach to life? God, if you're not going with me to Texas, I'm not going. And God says, I'm already here. No. Uh, if, you, if you're wanting to do something, you need to make sure God's presence is with it and with you when you go. Let me, let me give you a simple example. If there, let's say there was a multi-billionaire in our congregation, in church. So his presence would be among us. His presence would be here. But you wouldn't know. But if he then stood up and started to give each of us a million dollars, he would be making his presence known. He would be manifesting his presence. Is there such a person in the room? <laughs> Just checking. I don't know everybody. I don't know everybody. Who knows? Okay. So, so the billionaire makes his presence known even though he's been in the room the whole time. And this is what I'm talking about when I, when I come to talk about God. See, Jesus said, if two or three of you are gathered, I am there in the midst. I am there. He said, I'm with you. But you see, he's, Jesus, in fact, is seated at the right hand of the Father. So who is he talking about? He's actually talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember he said, Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go, the Spirit can't come. So Jesus was saying it's more important for you to know that the Spirit is now here with you. Where two or three are gathered together, Holy Spirit is with you. But He doesn't always make Himself manifest. He doesn't always show Himself. In every service that we have, God's omnipresence is here. All right? 
But we at the promise are believing for God to make his presence known among us. We want to see his presence. We want to experience his presence. We want his presence to touch those. Those who are sick to be healed. Those who are broken hearted to have their hearts healed. Those who are depressed to come out of it and get a fresh hope. The reason for depression is the loss of hope. You don't feel you, anything is going to happen that's good. So you need to have a fresh hope. So now, I'm going to talk to you about coming into God's manifested presence and leaving God's manifested presence. Let's start with leaving His presence, and then I'll get on to um, getting into His presence. So leaving His presence. Now, obviously, it's not possible for us to leave His omnipresence. doesn't matter where you go, His presence. But it is possible to leave His manifested presence, the presence where He is making Himself known. Understand that? Where He's making Himself known. He's showing up. It's possible for you to know that. Adam and Eve in the garden, all right, uh, after they sinned, after they sinned, what happened? They went and hid from his manifest presence. They went and hid. We're talking about leaving his manifested presence. They were okay to interface with God when they felt good and their relationship was good. But the moment they sinned, they wanted to get away. They didn't want to be there. And people... That's true about all of us even today. One of the major reasons people don't pray, read their Bibles, worship, or fellowship with other Christians or come to church is because they're feeling that I've sinned. All right? So, Cain killed Abel. Why? When God spoke to him um, in Genesis 4.23... He spoke to him, and, and he said to him, listen, deal with, deal with this problem where, where you know, uh, your, your offering wasn't accepted and Abel's was. But the scripture says, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence. Look at that. He went out from the Lord's presence, and he lived in the land of Nod. What does that mean? People nod a lot? What is that? Land of Nod. East of Eden. So he went out. We all know the story of Jonah. Well, most of us did. You know, the strangest thing, a couple of years ago in Bible college, um, I was preaching along the line of, I think, dispensations. And I said, so I'm not going to get into the story of Jonah. You all know the story of Jonah. And two or three people put their hand up and said, no. I go, what? What? And I asked a few other questions. And I I said to Cindy, we have got to separate first and second year. People don't know who Jonah is. Anyway, Jonah ran from the presence of God. Look, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went down into it to go from them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He could not be fleeing from the omnipresence of God. He couldn't be. He's not that stupid. And he's a prophet. So he was fleeing from or trying to escape from 
God speak to him because when God was speaking to him, there was this presence. God was making himself known to Jonah. And Jonah said, now enough already. I'm running. And he fled from the presence of God. So how do we leave the presence of God? Actually, very simply, don't do what he tells you. Three examples I've already given you. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree. And during that time, they were having great fellowship in his presence, and they went ahead and ate. Then they had to go and hide. Cain was told, get your attitude right about that, uh, that, uh, that offering that wasn't accepted. But he didn't, and he went and killed Abel. And then he had to flee from the presence of God. He left the presence of God. Jonah was told, go to Nineveh. But he didn't. He chose to disobey God, and he chose to do his own thing. He said, no, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to do my own thing. And the Bible says he tried to run from the presence of God. But I don't want to focus on the negative. I don't want to focus on the negative about the disobedience. I want to focus on the positive of hearing God's voice and obeying it. Is that okay? Hearing God's voice. Well, you might say, Pastor Henry, I have difficulty hearing God's voice, and I'm not even sure that it's God that I'm hearing. It might be. I think it is, but no, I'm not so sure he's speaking to me. So let me give you three little tips, easy tips, as to know God's speaking to you. Are you ready? All right. So when you're reading your Bible, and I'm sure that you do read your Bible on a regular basis, when you read your Bible... Listen for a small voice, a prompting, a really, really tiny small voice inside that says to you, you need to be do this. You need to do this. And then don't turn the page over because that was it right there. Uh, when you pray, and I'm sure you pray on a regular basis, do the same thing. Listen for a little voice or a tiny prompting or a nudge that says, you need to do this. God is talking to you. When you come to church, you're listening in the sermon like you are right now. While I'm preaching, listen for a little voice, a little prompting inside that says to you, you need to do this. And that's God telling you what to do. It's God saying, this is it. I'm talking to you. Okay? Don't have to come in a big, booming voice Lightning across the sky. There's a tiny little voice inside. Okay? Let, me give you, let me give you some examples. Say, for example, you're, you're sitting in church. Pastor Sinney does the offering, talks a little about tithing, or I'm preaching and say something about tithing and giving. And you hear the little voice, you need to be doing this. And you go, okay, okay, I'm going to do this. And you put it off for six months. When God spoke to you, it was His manifest presence trying to take you to a better place, trying to heal your situation, help you in whatever you're going through. He was trying to be God to you, a father, and you rejected Him. So you pushed away from His manifested presence. You pushed away from that instruction by being disobedient. Let's use another one. Let's say God 
speaks to you in a still small voice and says, um, I don't want you to pursue this relationship with this person anymore. You need to get out of this relationship. He doesn't have to go on and say that it's unhealthy for you or where it's going to end. He just, you know, God is very short-winded. He just says one or two things, and that's all he needs to say. He doesn't need to say a whole lot. We want to talk back and argue, he doesn't speak back. That's it. He's done. Why should he speak again? And he says to you, I need you, you need to get out of this relationship. But you choose not to. So the presence of God came, manifested presence, gave you an instruction. You chose to disobey the instruction. And just like Adam and Eve, Cain and, uh, Cain and Abel, Jonah, you are going to experience a consequence of walking away from the manifested presence of God. He tried to take you somewhere, you wouldn't go, you rejected it, so now you're on your own. But not only are you on your own, you're in a state of disobedience. Hello. Have I lost you? Okay. Thought you were running from the presence. Now, <clears throat> you know what I'm, what I'm, let's talk about mistakes rather than willful disobedience. Okay? Mistakes. Do you know why? Because we all make mistakes, don't we? We all make mistakes. And very few of us are willfully disobedient. I don't think we have that rebellious thing. You know, it's just a mistake. Give, give me an example. So let's say, for example, Jackie asked me to buy her some diamonds. And now, these are not diamonds that you wear on your fingers or around your wrist. This is what she plays Mejong with. Okay? So you have to buy diamonds to play diamonds. So we give her a couple of dollars some Mondays and Fridays to play Mejong. So if I forget, and she asks, and Cindy forgets Monday and Friday, she has no diamonds, so she's stuck with this thing that she can't play. Okay? They would disappoint her. But it wasn't willful. We didn't deliberately. Are you listening, sweetheart? We, we, don't want you to miss this one now. Okay. I didn't bring you to church so I can talk to you on the TV. Don't switch me off. Okay. So it, it wasn't deliberate. But now, what happens if she asks us to buy diamonds and we, say, we go, no, not going to do it? We deliberately decide I'm not going to do it. How painful is that? She's got to feel rejected, unloved. Now, put yourself in God's position where God asks you to do something. And yeah, you may forget. You may forget to do it. It's, it's not like... You're being disrespectful to God. But what happens if you say, not going to do it? How does that make God feel about your relationship with him? Especially if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. If you see where I'm coming from? I'm talking about mistakes rather than something that is deliberate. Now, you know, Jack and I, we're just an ordinary couple. So just like ordinary couples... We have our tiffs, we have our arguments, we have our disagreements. Just like regular people, we have our disagreements. And when we have a disagreement, it could be about a silly thing, it doesn't matter. We have our disagreements, and if I get angry, yes, I get angry, and get angry. 
And then what happens when I get angry is that I withdraw. I go quiet and I withdraw. I don't know if anybody else that feels like that. Don't raise your hand. Uh, uh, <laughs> not raising my hand, I'm withdrawing. Okay. Good one, Cindy. So I withdraw, and you know what? I avoid talking with Jackie. It's called avoidance syndrome. I avoid coming into her presence because I don't want to talk with her because I want to be angry. I want to be left alone so I can be angry. Okay, why are you laughing? Is it because you do the same thing? Okay, okay. So now I'm withdrawing from her. I'm running from her presence. I'm getting out of her presence. But you know, that doesn't last long because the moment I come back into the room or something, Jackie always acknowledges she was wrong and she repents. No, no. Okay, sweetheart, I'm just talking about you again. The, 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 truth, the truth of the matter is Jackie is very, very quick to heal something that's going wrong. She quickly says, Sweet, let's just fix this up. I don't know what's going wrong, but I can't stand having friction between you and me. I can't stand it. And she will quickly, quickly, quickly put it right. If you know Jackie, that's it. It doesn't go long, and she puts it right. So <clears throat> this is where that quiet, small voice is now talking to you. You might be able to hear it. You need to do this. You need to do this. Are you hearing it? Are you hearing it? So I'm helping you hear God, okay? There we are. Okay, so. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it's possible to, to even come to church and not be willing to surrender to his presence because of what's going on in your life. Things are difficult. You have issues at home. You, you may be, maybe you're having problems with family, children, even husband or wife, and you've got these things going on, or there's other things going on in your life, and you have difficulty surrendering to his presence. So I want to encourage you, don't push God away. The scripture says if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Okay, so you draw near to him. Begin by drawing near to God. When you're in that situation, I, I want to let you know, there's two things you're going to have to overcome. You're going to have to make a decision to overcome the devil and the flesh. The first thing is, see, the devil will make you sin conscious. So in that position, it will make you sin conscious. But the flesh will make you self-conscious. And when you come into a meeting and you don't want to participate because you think somebody's looking at you. I'm not going to raise my hands. I think somebody's looking at me. You don't want to sing out because I think somebody's looking at me. You're conscious of yourself. But on the other hand, the devil is trying to make you feel conscious of your sin. So whatever's going on in your life, the devil is trying to stop you from what? Enjoying the manifest presence of God. He's trying to keep you away from what God wants to do in your life. Do you understand that? Yes. And you've got to understand, you come to church and you feel bad, something's going on in your life, that's okay. It's okay. But when God is reaching out to you, you understand you need to have that surrender. You say, okay, God, okay, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to come. So let's talk about entering his presence now, entering his presence in Psalm 95 and verse 1, it says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. 
Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And then in Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, this was instruction in the Old Testament how to come to God's manifest presence. This is what you need to do to come there. So music, singing, praise and worship actually might be more important than we think. See, many times people think that the praise and worship is just part of the service, i.e. it could be like a slot given to singing or like the announcements has its own slot, you know. And I don't want to be part of the singing slot, so I will come a little late or later. I can avoid that, you know, uh, because I'm not a singer anyway. Listen, it's not about ability, you're not being a singer. It's about an attitude of gratitude. Are you honestly thankful to God for what He's done? Are you thankful to Jesus for what He's done in your life? And if you are, praise and worship is honoring God and giving thanks to God for what He's done in your life. Well, if He's done nothing in your life, then yes, you don't have to give praise and and thanks for God. But if you walk outside and the air disappears and the sun goes black, then you know He did do something for you. He gave you sun and He gave you air. Right? Hello? Okay. Well, I just don't have that effervescence, outgoing personality. Sweetheart, it's not about personality. Not about your personality. It's about the person of Jesus. Not about you. And for those who say, well, you know, I'm just not expressive. I wonder if I were to fly on your wall on Sunday afternoon while you're watching NFL and your team has a touchdown, if you go there, oh, yeah, that's so nice. (laughs) I think they might win. Really? Really? Yeah. How could you be that expressive about a team versus being quiet about Jesus? You're not. You're choosing to be. You're choosing to be. All right? Okay. Let me tell you a story. Um, So there was a guy, Brian Gibson, a friend of ours. Um, He was a professional guitarist. used to play in the nightclubs and everything else. And he also came to study karate at our studio, um, and he got saved, and we became friends. And uh, so I asked him if he would uh, teach me how to play the guitar, because back then, I thought that you couldn't be a minister unless you could sing and play guitar, because all the ministers were musical. Everybody could sing and play guitar, so I knew I wasn't called. So I said, well, maybe if he would teach me how to play and sing, then, then I could uh, go into the ministry. <clears throat> well, he tried. <laughs> and uh, bless Jackie's heart, because when I was at home doing my praise and worship with my guitar and everything, she would close all the windows. We lived in apartments. She would go close the window so our neighbors wouldn't be disturbed by this noise that was coming out. True story. She would close, go around closing the doors, and she'd say, could you do it quietly, whatever. Well, eventually, Brian said, you know what, um, Henry, I think, I think 
you can play the instrument, but I think you should put it in your mouth. I'm going to put the instrument in my mouth, but how can I sing exactly? <laughs> but you know, I love to sing, and if you'll stand close by me during praise and worship, you'll hear me giving it my best for Jesus. I make a joyful noise unto the Lord, so I'm giving it my best. And if you're in my car, you'll, I've got praise and worship going. I never, ever listen to the radio. I always listen to praise and worship. And now Cindy's got me onto Audible, so now I'm listening to books as well. Uh, so that's huge. Uh, but praise and worship is what I listen to in my thing. So if you pull up next to me at a light, or it's, you're going to see me worshiping and praising God. And then I'll, I'll point to my phone. But never mind. I'm praising and I'm worshiping God. I'm giving it all that I can. I'm really doing my best, okay? You know, the times that I've really experienced God's presence the most is in my personal quiet time in praying or worshiping or in our corporate worship times. I, I, I get to experience God's presence. And I feel sad for people who don't enter in at that time, who need to come in, who need to be washed who need to have the burdens lifted from them, who need to come in and, 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 and be part of His manifest presence. And don't stand on the outside looking in. And don't look at anybody else, but just look on your own, you know, God, God, help me. You know, th- this, is, this is fabulous. Press in. So right now I want us to turn the lights down. I want us to close our eyes. I want you to pray a little prayer. Breathe a little prayer out. God, what are you saying to me today in this message? What are you saying to me today? What do you want me to do today? What do I need to do? I want to experience your manifest presence. I need your help in my life. I can't do life on my own. Can't deal with the problems. Can't deal with the sickness. Can't deal with the financial issues. Can't deal with the relationship problems that I have. Can you fill me, Lord? Will you fill me? Let's stand to our feet. Keep the lights down. I'm going to give you an opportunity today. This is not an altar call for salvation. This is an opportunity to press into His presence, to come and experience His presence. And I'm going to appeal first and foremost to those who have never done this before. You know, if I just opened the floor now, you'd get killed the stampede. But for those who've maybe sat on the side and haven't pushed in and you really want to experience his manifest presence we're going to start a video right now and if you would be brave enough I encourage you come out of your seat come stand down the front with me please please Come and experience God's presence. Come and enter in. 
God is waiting for you. Come stand right up the front. Come real close to me. Real close. Come on down. Come on down. Come and worship. And now I'm going to open the floor to others who want to come and join me. Thank you.